So no one really knows what age you should actually quit trick-or-treating. But when I was about 15 or so, we pretty much knew it was time. So I did get dressed up, and I did go out. I went with my cousin, and we were dressed completely head-to-toe in dark robes with skull masks, and we carried long staves. And we would just basically go around and scare the little kids. And I, you know, it wasn't, wasn't the best thing to do, but it was lots of fun And when you're about 15 years of age. And we were following a group of kids when their father picked them up on the corner of the street. And he saw us walking up and kind of gave us the eye. So we uh, walked around the car very slowly as he rolled down the windows. And you could hear the father laughing, but the three kids in the back were screaming at the top of their lungs. They were so scared. And then when we got around to the back of the car, my cousin and I darted into the woods. We definitely caused some havoc that night and we uh, gave some kids the scare of their lives and a father a good memory to tease them about for years to come. Curioso. A Curioso is someone who inquires in esoteric matters, a collector of knowledge. I'm Christopher Scarborough. And I'm Joe Taylor. And welcome to the Curioso Podcast. Candy corn! Candy corn! <laughs> Alright, so you're sitting it's there. It's even better when it's stale. Yeah. Hey, I... <laughs> I'm doing the best I can here. Was this from like 96? Yeah, I believe so. I found it in the bottom of my sock drawer. Oh, man. (laughs) Candy corn never goes bad. Oh, it it gets stale enough for sure. If you can't, you're breaking your teeth on it. (laughs) Right, right. So this is episode four in our month-long Halloween Octoberganza festival thing? What do you want to call this? <laughs> I still don't know what to call this. I don't know. Well, basically, we have amped it up for Halloween where we bring you an episode every single week instead of uh, in a bi-weekly fashion. Right. So we are getting near the end, but we're not there quite yet. So we didn't want to specifically do an episode about Halloween. Right. So instead, we're doing The Harvest. Harvest festivals. Harvest festivals, the harvest, everything having to do around the world, Mm -hmm. different ways of celebrating the harvest and celebrating this time of the season. And the harvest festival would be the end of summertime, the the culmination of all the crops, you know, or uh, bounty that the earth has given you, and going into the winter season. Or the fall, winter season when stuff doesn't really grow that well. That's right. right? It is time to reap what you sow, Joe. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And I've been sowing a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Because you're you're sowing your Halloween costume. Yeah, yeah. My little fingers are all worn out from sewing. You need some thimbles. Yeah, or a sewing machine. Yeah, that would work. (laughs) That Mm -hmm. would work. So uh, what do we want to start with? Well, just to set the mood... To set the mood, mm-hmm. I brought a little plethora of things that I've harvested, mm-hmm. mainly from grocery You've store. Harvested from the store. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I've got a, I've got a, a gangrenous thumb. That's how green it is. Uh-huh. Look at these. Look at these. Uh, this cornucopia. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> so as we go through, I'll mention the little things that I brought 
for us to try and taste. Uh, they do pertain to some specific harvest festivals that we're going to talk about. So let's let's start it off. Which one do you want to talk about first? Um, let's start off with the Ittleman Tribal Harvest Festival. Ittleman? Ittleman. And where is that? That's in Russia. Okay. Yeah. Russian Harvest. Yeah, it's held in the icy tundra of Russia. Okay. And it starts in around the third, fourth week of September. Mm-hmm. It's a time to return to the community's roots, the, their, their tribal roots, and celebrate what else? The harvest. And the major things they harvest up there are apples, honey, nuts, and things like that. And you'll find, like, throughout all of these, those are pretty similar, especially apples. Like, apples are huge. Yeah, because in the fall, I mean, that's one of my favorite things to do is, is to go and pick apples and drink some hot cider. Mm-hmm. You know, I love to do that in the fall. So I, I, would, I, would, I would, if I was in Russia, that's what I would do there. Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in the Edelman Festival, they have big bonfires and parades and kind of, you know, they celebrate their tribal roots and their history and stuff like that. And one of the really cool things that I thought was awesome was part of the festival has has a 43-mile hike up to the top of Mount Elvel. Are you allowed to use a bicycle? No. It's, a, it's, a, it's not a hike. It's, it's a bike. It's a <laughs> <laughs> I guess the families take little hand-carved wooden statues, and they leave them as trinkets for their ancestors. On the graves? Well, no, at the the top of the mountain, oh, okay. there's, I guess, some sort of, like, you know, ancestral part of the mountain mm-hmm. where they leave their little trinkets and things like that, just offerings. Yeah. So, and, and you know, and the, they have these huge parties and stuff where they have local wines and, and all the fruits and berries and stuff they've gathered for the season before really hard winters hit because it's Russia, mm-hmm. you know, for that. I couldn't find any Russian wine. I'm not a big vodka drinker, and there's tons of Russian vodkas. That's great. I wanted to try something a little different. Mm -hmm. So I know it's not Russian. It's Moldavian, but that's pretty close. I mean, it's it's a border over. It's still Ukraine-Russian area. Uh So you kind of get the sense of, you know, um, of what it is. So this, here you go, Chris. Oh, this is Moldavian wine right here. Yes. It's very now, dark. It is really dark. Now, it... it smells very grapey. Very grapey. Well, it's good. Really sweet. Oh, it's like a cordial. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's good. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't drink a full glass of this. I could totally drink a full glass of this. <laughs> could you? Maybe mix it with uh, some... Maybe some seltzer and some applejack. Oh, it's sweet and dry. Mm-hmm. That's very good. Yeah. Remind me to go to Moldavia sometime. <laughs> oh, I definitely want to go. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's that's one of the things, you know, we're talking about harvest festivals, but, you know, and we're, we really set this up to be part of our, our Halloween. Right, right. But, you know, a month after that, we have Thanksgiving in America here. Yes. And uh, I believe it's sometime... Sometime in October, they have Thanksgiving in Canada, mm-hmm. uh, up above us. But so those are both like two different kinds of harvest festivals, you know? Right. Well, so we, it's not like we don't even we don't just stop at one harvest festival. We're having exactly, two of them. exactly. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you look up harvest festivals all over the world, you're going to find stuff in April, in January, pretty much every single month. There's an area of the world where it is. The harvest time, yeah, because it's different in different uh, in different hemispheres, different regions. Yeah, different regions. You have you, you know you the the crops will grow uh, differently. Yeah, d- you know depending. So yeah, but uh, I mean to us this is the harvest time. So yeah. this is why we yeah. we like to do it because we're just now we're you know getting into October. You're pretty much going to get into that apple picking season. Mm-hmm. You know. From October to November. Right. So it just starts to chill down. Leaves are changing colors. You know, squirrels are packing away all their, you know, nuts and berries and stuff you like that. You just love to talk about squirrels and their nuts. <laughs> this is like the third time. On- <laughs> it's not the third time. It's like the second. Okay. No no lie. I, sw- 
I had a squirrel up on the front step the other day, mm. and my dog was just going freaking nuts. Yeah. And it's a squirrel that lives in my area, and he has a crooked tail. Oh. Yeah. So, like, obviously, he may be, like, he didn't quite make it out from underneath of a car. <laughs> right. So he has, like, this crooked tail. It, it, it looks kind of like Pikachu. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it just kind of sticks out. Yeah. But he, he was sitting on my front step. We don't feed him or anything, but mm. he's sitting on my front step, and my dog is going nuts. And I'm like, somebody give that squirrel a freaking <laughs> peanut tell him to get <laughs> right. out of here. He's killing me. Next, let's talk about the Moon Festival. Ooh. Yes. Happens. M-O-O-N. That spells moon. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking Stephen King. <laughs> that stuck in my head for years. <laughs> so it happens in, in mid-autumn. And it's celebrated through China, Singapore, Vietnam, pretty much Asian areas. In Singapore, it's called the Lantern Festival. In Vietnam, it's called the Children's Festival. But it's still under that umbrella as the Moon Festival. Yeah. Now, as as far as I've read about this, it's not just a harvest, even though it is about the harvest, but right. it's also about uh, ancestors. And that's one of the themes that you'll find through most of these harvest oh, yeah. festivals yeah. is it's not just about the harvest. It's also to reflect on the time of the year and to reflect on the people that you've lost. So it's like the harvesting of souls as well as the harvesting of, of food. Right. It's the, the, the life, the life giving food mm-hmm. of the crops. And also to think about your loved ones who have passed. Right. And you gotta understand, and most of these, these festivals, they're, they're based on ancient teachings, you know, or handed down, you know, by word of mouth, you know, where your crops will be ready at this time. Um, it is dangerous at this time of the year because it gets colder or this or that. So there's a lot of things to, to be thankful for, mm-hmm. you know, especially back in ancient times where you didn't have electricity. You didn't have, you know, guns or whatever comforts we have today. You didn't have the interweb, you know, and, and it was really, really serious time in, in some civilizations where it's going to be bitter cold. You need to have everything stored, everything ready to last you through that hard, hard winter. It's, it's actually a, it's life and death yeah. right there. Yeah. You know, you have very little time left to collect what you need to get yourself through the winter. Mm-hmm. So tell me about the moon festival. So the 15th day of the eighth lunar month, which is late September, early October, mm-hmm. the festival celebrates three basic concepts, gathering, family, friends, and the gathering of of the harvest for the community. Mm -hmm. Giving thanks for basically the the earth bearing up its bounty for you, Mm -hmm. you know, and and all the harvest that you were able to attain that year. And prayer. So asking for either conceptual or material things like long life, beauty, good fortune, healthy crops for the next season, you know, basic things that people wanted to hope for for the following year, the next year, after they've made it through the winter. Get warm up in this piece after that Moldavian wine. <laughs> you want the rest of mine? Sure. It's too sweet. It's awesome. I'm more of a, a dark, musky, not sweet wine person, like a Shiraz. I just like stuff. I know. I mean, it's good. I mean, I if somebody really if somebody wants to send us some real Russian wine, do it. Oh e- yeah. yeah, email we'll us totally. and we'll hook you up with the address to send some awesome Russian wine. Mm-hmm. So during the Moon Festival, one of the cool things that is, I guess, a traditional uh, offering or snack or, or whatever they would make from from the the harvest were things called moon cakes. And originally they were just a little doughy cake with either nuts or, or a berry or something very basic, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were sweet or savory depending on what region you were in. But nowadays they're pretty much like a red bean cake. Okay. Um, where it's, you know, it's like a, like a little mini sweet savory donut with red bean paste on the inside. You know, the thing about red bean is... You would think, 
I, you know, and this is this is you know coming from my culture here in America. You don't think of red bean as like a sweet treat, right? It just we really don't think of when that. You, when you hear bean, you yeah, don't think we, sweet. We put that in chili, and you know what I mean, things right. like that. That's right. what we do with red beans. But one of my favorite little uh, sushi restaurants, mm-hmm. they have green tea ice cream and red bean ice cream. Different kinds of beans you're talking about, though. But I, I'm just saying, red bean ice cream is awesome. So you, no, but the kind of red beans you're talking about that we uh-huh. use here, like kidney beans or stuff like that. Yeah, compl- that, those aren't red beans. Yeah, but I'm saying okay, they they are red beans. Yes. But they're not red beans. Well, you said chili. Yeah, I'm just saying that you know when you think of beans, that's that's the kind of thing. I think of Boston baked beans, and, right? Or you know, a nice canteen, a side of fava beans. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> I love fava beans. Yeah, actually. so do I. But yeah. I'm yeah, but it's I mean it is strange to think that it is a sweet bean. Mm-hmm. You know, but you know, amazing Asians found a way to make these little cakes, this amazing red bean paste, and it's one of my favorite treats year round. Mm-hmm. There's a little Asian bakery um it's a little down the street. It's near Ellicott City. Mm-hmm. But the the bakery has a plethora of wonderful little, you know, And th- is that treats. where you got this here? No. This one I found at closer uh, international market, and they were all out of the red bean cakes. Okay. So th- what this is, this is a green tea, green bean cake, and it has a, a nut in it. Green tea, green bean. Right. So I think it has walnuts in it, which, again, that's part of the harvest. You know, most of the ones we talk about, it's nuts, berries, um, fruits, whatever they can get by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm excited. Here we go. Hmm. It's flaky. It's kind of like, I don't really taste any green tea yeah, or any red beans. All I really taste no, is like green. the green. Yeah, I taste the walnut more than anything else. Yeah, the walnuts and... Uh, there's sesame on it too, which you can't really taste any sort of like sesame flavor. Mm-hmm. But the traditional ones, they actually have on the cake itself. It's either laid out in, you know, ornate dough patterns, uh, and it usually has either the symbol of the moon or uh, representation of the moon. You know, kind of with flowers and things around it. But it's just a little, you know. Three, four inch round or square sometimes. Little doughy cake with red bean or, or green. And it has just a little symbol of the moon on the top. See, know? when you were talking to me about this before, I thought that you were going to be bringing in moon pies. <laughs> and I was really excited. <laughs> no, I should have. I mean, that's, that's so. like the American version, I guess. No, yeah, covered I mean, in chocolate and graham cracker. Yeah. Right, that's what we would offer and to I, the I moon don't even goddess. Think, you actually, I don't think that, I think that's an East Coast thing. It's it's just in the Appalachians. Like whoopie pies? What, yeah, that's exactly right. what they are, whoopie pies. And I don't think that anyone else. No, whoopie, moon, a whoopie pie is completely different than a moon pie. No, they're like the same thing. No, a whoopie pie has like weird, like... Dunkin' Donuts white cream frosting on the inside. So does a moon cake. No. A moon pie has marshmallow on the inside. Oh, we're splitting hairs. No. Those are two distinct different things. Okay, either way, they do not sell any of those out on the West Coast. I know they don't. I know. And or Japan or China or Vietnam. They might have moon pies out there. I don't think so. I, I don't know. I'm just, I haven't been yet. All right, guys, let us know. Send us, send us the, uh, the Japanese, Japanese moon pie, the Japanese version of a moon pie. Mm -hmm. I'm going to eat this other half. Do it. So the moon cakes symbolize giving to your family and friends, harmony, longevity, you know, it's a symbol of, of like goodwill to them and, and a piece of, of that harvest festival, you know, and, and the glory of the moon and that, and that part of the season. It's just another gesture to your friends and family to, to basically, you know, give thanks to them. It's a really, really neat idea, really neat gesture. And one of these days, I will be over there to enjoy it firsthand. Oh, yeah, you want to go to Japan right Oh, bad. so bad. Mm-hmm. You ever seen a sugar skull, Chris? I have, in fact, yes. 
I don't think you're supposed to eat them though, because I think they're painted. Yes, uh, I mean they're they're given as offerings for Dios de los Muertos, Day de, of the Dead. Dia de los Muertos. That's right. Mm-hmm. Dios de los Muertos. All right. It takes place. It's a three day festival. Mm-hmm. It takes place October thirty first, November first, and November second, and it, it kind of it, it's kind of in con- conjunction connection with the Catholic sort of holiday of All Saints Day and All Souls Day. Because in in Mexico, there's a huge Catholic... Majority? Yes, a very huge Catholic majority down there. So it's said to originate from an ancient Aztec festival in Central America area. Uh-huh. And it celebrates Mictica Siwatl, mm-hmm. who is the, uh, the queen of the underworld. Okay. So it's basically the same sort of... It's well, a, it, she was probably the queen of the underworld and human sacrifice. Probably. Because mo- most of the Aztec <laughs> gods and goddesses also were end I, of human sacrifice. Right, right. The god of wine and human sacrifice. Yes, exactly. The god of the sun and human sacrifice. The god of soccer and human sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. So basically, it, it focuses on, on uh, like most of these gathering with your friends and family, remembering loved ones you lost throughout the year or years past. Yeah, offering gifts to the living and the dead. Sometimes they, they make these little altars in the cemeteries where their family members have passed. And candles and some of their favorite foods or drink. Music is played, parades. And it's basically to, to celebrate life and you know hope for better things for the next year. So I, I actually took some time to watch a video that I found on Netflix, mm-hmm. and it was terrible. <laughs> it, it, it was just one of the worst doc- documentaries. It was done so badly. But right. after I did that, I also did some, some research on Dia de los Muertos, and it seems like they really like to stress the idea that it's not like the Halloween that we celebrate here in America. No, it's not, no. It, has, it, it really isn't about ghosts and ghoulies and no, things like that. No, It's even though one of the symbols that they use constantly is the skull, mm-hmm. you know, in most of the motifs, yeah. it has nothing to do with, uh, you know, being scared. The whole point right. is, is that, you know, it, it, is to, it is to celebrate the dead and mm-hmm. it's to celebrate what, they did in their life and how you remember them. Right. And to remember, yes, they are in the ground. They are, they have passed away. That's why to have the skulls, that's why they have them. But right. it's not, it's not to think upon their death. It's to think upon their, their life. Right. So right. I just, I just find, I find that really uh, remarkable. Yeah. And it's kind of neat with the day of the dead, Dios de los Muertos, there's a two-part thing. One is, is a social effect, and the other one is sort of a seasonal effect. So one is the, it, it's the actual harvest time. At mm-hmm. that same time, there's a huge harvest for the corn crops well, down it's, there. Just like we were talking about before, it's, they, they seem to be very married together. Right. The, the, the harvesting of the food and the harvesting of souls at the same time. Right. But one of the cool things that happens during that time of the year is the migration of the monarch butterflies. I am the monarch! (laughs) Dr. Venture! I'm so bad at voices. Anyway, go ahead. (laughs) So they come down from Canada, where they they spawn, Mm -hmm. and it takes them several months to make it down all the way through the States, down to parts of Mexico, Mm -hmm. where they basically, they'll, they'll attach themselves to trees and stuff, and hordes, millions of these monarchs will come flying through parts of Mexico. And people down there know that it is close to harvest season because they start seeing the influx of monarchs. Mm -hmm. And I guess because it's been going on for centuries, probably eons, where these monarchs are just built, they know every year this time it is time to fly south. just a part of the life cycle. Exactly. Yeah, it's what happens. So part of of the, uh, the mythos or the the mythology or whatever of Day of the Dead is that the monarchs, the, the butterflies, actually are the souls of the past. Mm-hmm. 
and people have, I've seen videos and pictures where there's some towns where these monarchs, they're flying through the town and there's swarms of these things like in cemeteries and people are, you know, they're, they treat the monarchs like they would, you know, a, a sacred animal. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's really cool and really interesting to see that this little tiny, wonderful little insect has this sort of status as, as being the carrier of a soul. You know, someone else's, a past person's soul now is being carried by this little tiny, beautiful little insect. To come to visit for Dia de los Muertos. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. go land in some trees, spawn, and then the whole cycle starts all over again. That's great. It's really cool. So we were talking about the sugar skulls earlier. I, I really like the idea of those, but I, I found that that's not the only food that... that Mexicans use during Dia de los Muertos. Right. They also have pan de muerto. Mm-hmm. Bread of the dead. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I tried. I went to two different places to try to find some pan de la muerto, but it's tough to find up here in Maryland. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so I found a reasonable facsimile. It's a sweet bread, a, a sweet uh, Mexican bread, and this is pan de la torta. So it's it's sweet. It doesn't have the cinnamon. What I, I've read that the bread of the dead has cinnamon, and, and but I've seen different variations in the recipes. So I don't know which one is, you know, the traditional. Well, I just want to let you know. In my research, I found a, a, a it looks like a very good recipe mm-hmm. online here, and I am going to try it. Okay. The, the the day after Halloween, I'm going to make this. All right, that's, that's my plan. So I'll make sure that make sure you check out our Facebook, and I will I will take a picture of it and put it on our Facebook. Awesome. The day after Halloween, so we're going to try this. This is this is a pan de la torta. Does that mean tortoise bread? I believe so. So this is very similar to what yeah it's uh, to what uh, pan de muerta should be. Right, right. It's a sweet, you know, basically a little little roll. Bread. All right, so uh, pan de la torta. Salud. Salud. Hmm. Pretty good. I think it's okay. It's a little dry. A little dry, yeah. But that just might be the bakery that you got it at. Yeah. But this is basically, excuse my chewing. (laughs) So this isn't only just eaten during the Dia de los Muertos Festival. It's also sat on their loved one's graves as kind mm-hmm. of, I'm not sure, offerings. Yeah, yeah. You know, sat, sat on their graves, and so you would have this sitting around on all, all the altars and, and, and graves in the, in the gravesite. Right. I mean, basically, if, if Uncle Bill really, really loved, you know, uh, chocolate and vino or whatever, they would bring little offerings of his favorite food and drink, you know, uh, they would even leave out wash basins with little towels mm-hmm. so the souls or the spirits could wash up before they feasted on, on their favorite things. So, say, for instance, if you passed away, I would have to sit Starbucks on your grave every... Uh, every uh, Four d- hours. Every- <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that kind of brings us to, I guess, the the modern... Halloween and the origins of that, at least here in America and and elsewhere too. I mean, a lot of countries have started adopting the uh, the Western uh, Halloween festival. Yeah, there's there's certain places I, I was reading, like in France, for instance, mm-hmm. you, they don't celebrate anything around that time specifically, right. but they do that some places in. You know, certain bars and things like that, they've started to celebrate Halloween. Mm-hmm. Just like here in the States, we celebrate Cinco de Mayo. Right, right. So it's, you know, it's not necessarily an American or, or United States holiday, mm-hmm. but we've started to celebrate it because it's one of the other holidays around us. Right. I'm waiting for us uh, the day after Christmas to start celebrating Boxer Day. Boxer Day? Uh-huh. It's where you don't wear boxers? No, it's in Canada. <laughs> 
All right, anyone who listens from Canada, you need to email us and let us know what Boxer Day actually is. Okay. We're not going to look it up. No, we'll, <laughs> wait, we'll save that for the Christmas episode, and we'll just do Boxer Day episode instead. Sure. So I'll bring boxing gloves uh, for Joe and I, and we're both going to wear boxers. That's it? That's it. Just boxing gloves and boxers? Yeah, that's Boxer Day right there. Okay, do I get to bring my pet boxer in? Sure. Dude, let's do <laughs> if it. If I had one. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, and a box turtle. <laughs> in a box so my act the scarred and dangerous thrill show I'm only one half of the other half is dangerous D he's currently living in California and he's going to call in from time to time to give you his two cents about all of our topics here on the Curiosa. Now, all dangers considered, a moment with dangerous deed. A few years ago, I was hired to work a haunted house attraction for a local Halloween harvest festival. They had a pumpkin patch, a corn maze, hay rides, farm animals, games, prizes, and of course, a haunted house. My job was to stand in a dark corner of a walkthrough haunted house, and just before the patrons exited the attraction, I would jump out and scare them. No contact, not too close, just a little growl for a final spook. I was dressed in all black with a creepy clown skull mask thing and a rubber machete. The first three groups, my little gag worked perfectly. The fourth group, not so much. Just like before, I heard them around the corner, and I raised my blade, let out a yell, and jumped out. The next thing I know, there was a size 14 steel-toed Doc Martin soaring for my crotch. About five minutes later, I woke up outside with a crowd around me. All I remember was this big, huge, gorilla-looking dude. I mean, it looked like his mother f***ed a tractor. Well, he pats me on the head and says, Sorry about that, bud. You just, like, scared the f*** out of me. It was a reaction. I just threw a kick. Let's just say that day, Dangerous D's pumpkins got patched. So I completely lost my train of thought as to where we're going. But yes, you did. Okay. Right, so the origin of Halloween. The origin of Halloween. Let's origin of Halloween. Okay. It starts over 3,000 years ago. I mean, this is old. Mm-hmm. It, it starts with the ancient Celts who lived in and around Ireland, Scotland, England. And that festival originally was called Samhain or Samhain. And not the Danzig Project band thing. So, but Samhain was was basically a, a pagan holiday. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the the ancient Celts they were pagan. Well, you you, you know? split it. You basically split the year into four separate seasons. The mm-hmm. way it the way it actually is. So you know you have you have your spring, uh, uh, summer, spring, winter, and fall festival. And, right. And so th- this would be your harvest or your fall festival. Right, and again, this one is probably the 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 most serious time of the year, you know, because they're it's that in between where they're going into the hard winter, mm-hmm. you know. So this usually is the hardest time of the year, no matter what. So it's probably one of the biggest festivals they had. And again, it was the time of year where you know they're stockpiling the crops they've you know made through the year. It also was believed that on October thirty first. The boundaries of the world between the living and the dead were blurred or overlapped. So basically the, the spirits of the dead could come back to cause havoc, sickness, death, damage crops, haunt people, a lot of mischief. Well, it's the, the whole idea that the evil spirits can come to get you, and that's the time where the veil is thin. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah, so, you know, that if the veil is thin, you know, a lot of the time what they would do is they would dress up so that the evil spirits wouldn't be able to know who they were. Right. So they would think that they were evil spirits too. So yeah, they would they would dress up in in animal skins with the wolf heads, bear skins, and they'd have these huge giant bonfires. People would gather around, they would sacrifice, you know, some of the crops, like they would throw in the corn or the the berries or whatever as offerings to the spirits. To basically, you know, here, uh, take take this, not us. Mm-hmm. They would even uh, 
sacrifice animals. And a lot of the costumes came from the animals they would sacrifice. So they would, you know, skin them, take the, the hides or the skins or the, the pelts, and they would wear those as part of the, the festival. And the entrails, after they would sacrifice the animals, they would try to read the future by reading what happened to the entrails as it cooked or burned or whatever. Kind of like reading bones or, or reading tea leaves. The same kind of thing. Yeah, with, but with entrails. That well, sounds yeah. absolutely... I mean, I'm not going to be able to do a tarot reading it with a bowl of tripe, but, you know, it, you can still understand, like, where it was coming from. So by 43 AD, the Romans had conquered most of the Celtic lands, and the Romans already had two major festivals at that time of the year. Feralia, which was their Day of the Dead, to remember the, the dead of, that have passed. Mm-hmm. And then you also had Pomona, which was celebrating the goddess of fruits and trees. So, you know, pretty much nature-esque type stuff. So they already had those two things after they had conquered most of the regions that the Celts lived. So by 730, 740 AD, the festivals expanded to include All Saints Day, which was originally on May 13th. They moved that to November 1st because uh, the Romans and the Celts, they were still co-mingling mm-hmm. in, in existence. So, but the pagans were still, you know, worshipping their festivals and their deities, and the Romans at the same time were, were worshipping theirs. So but there became this weird sort of intermingling uh, with the two beliefs. By the ninth century, the influence of the Catholic and the Christian religion was pretty widespread. Mm-hmm. And they had a big problem with a lot of the pagan beliefs. And so they tried to push their beliefs on other people. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, you know. Well, the thing is, is that a lot of the time when they had festivals, basically what they were doing is they, they were taking the, the Christian holidays mm-hmm. and laying them over top of the holidays that already existed in that pagan religion. Right, because they basically wanted a church or, yeah, church-sanctioned holiday, mm-hmm. not any of your heathen you know, non-churchy holidays. Yeah, so that basically happens in, in that happens throughout the entire year. Yeah. So it, most of the holidays, uh, the, the Christian holidays that we celebrate today are an older pagan holiday. Right. That just, have been masked and changed. Right, just laid over top with different words. All Saints Day originally was May 13th mm-hmm. on their calendar. And they had moved it to November 1st, I guess trying to entice some of the pagans to convert... You know, because there's a lot of that going around. Like, mm-hmm. hey, come over here, or we'll kill you. So, I mean, basically, that the the all All Saints Day was a hallowed day, right? So they called the night before All Hallows Eve, right? And then November second became All Souls Day, mm-hmm. and one is to remember saints. All All Saints Day. It was from remember the saints that have passed or given their lives to the church or something. Martyrdom. Right. And then the other one, All Souls Day, was everybody else. Mm-hmm. And they're pretty similar. I mean, they, they pretty much did the same things, like bonfires, parades, costumes, you know, harvest type stuff. But it was, it was masked with the stamp of approval by the church, okay. basically. So if you looked at, you know, the, the pagan Samhain festival and the All Souls Day festival, it's Pretty close. They're pretty much talking about the same thing. Right. And then uh, eventually, uh, over the centuries, All Saints Day, November 1st, started being called All Hallows. And then All Hallow Mass. And the night before, it became All Hallowed Eve, or All Hallows Evening. And then throughout the centuries, it degraded into Hallows Eve, and then Halloween by now. You're taking one uh, traditional festival that's been around thousands and thousands of years, you know, and basically putting a new spin on it and, and making it, I guess, more profitable. Well, it's definitely more profitable now. Oh man, uh, yeah, especially you... here in America, it's it is the second grossing holiday. Yeah. So it's just right after Christmas. 
gross and grossing. <laughs> so one of my favorite traditions about Halloween, one of the ones that I like, is the, the corn dolly. And this, oh, yeah. this was celebrated by the Brightons and, and, and mm-hmm. the, the ancient Celts. So what they would basically do is at the very end of the season, you would have these, these husks of the corn left over. Mm-hmm. So what they would do with the husks of the corn is they would twist them up to make them into little dollies, and they were called corn dollies. The word dolly actually comes from idol. So it's a oh. corn idol. Okay. So basically what they would do is they would make these little corn idols or corn dollies at the very end of the harvest season Mm -hmm. around Halloween. Right. So they would keep them and play with them inside all winter long. So when it got to be springtime and it was time to sow your seed and send it back out into the the ground, Uh they would also take the corn dollies and they would bury them in the ground as well. Oh, okay, cool. So I, I think that was just a just kind of a neat, a neat little tradition, and people still make corn dollies today, right? You know. All right. Well, I don't mean to be corny. Oh God. <laughs> but I brought some of my favorite holiday Halloween treats: candy corns. Oh yeah, I'm gonna have to pop a few of these. Oh, definitely. My favorite thing to do is I like to put one here. <laughs> Yeah, candy corn vampire. Yeah, and have candy corn. <laughs> Sweet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, a lot of these festivals have corn involved in them, and these candy corns are actually made with honey. So, part of that that um, Russian festival mm-hmm. was the harvest of honey. So we kind of, I kind of have an amalgam of bring it all together. Yeah, yeah. And who doesn't, who doesn't love the sweetness of honey? Oh, I don't know. I have no clue. And I also found something really interesting. What's that? This, here you go. This is corn silk tea. What? Yeah. Corn tea. Corn tea. And you're going to make me try this. I'm going to make you try this. All right. It, I mean, <laughs> it smells like like Doritos. Dor- oh, Doritos. It has a corny Dorito smell. I don't even want to do this. <laughs> this is really Do gross. it. All right, here we go. Cheers. That's weird. You know what it tastes like to me? What? It tastes like liquid cereal. Like cornflakes. Yeah, like no sweetener. No sweetener. No nothing. It, yeah, it tastes like... I think I still have some of this candy corn stuck on my teeth because it is kind of <laughs> sweetening it a bit. Right. No, it tastes like a, like a watered-down cornflake. Yeah, if you, if you siphoned all the flavor out of a cornflake and made a, a tea out of it... That's... Yeah. Yeah. Like if you put... Cornflakes in a tea ball, and, and, and into, steeped it. Yeah, that's what it would taste like. That is interesting. I'm going to drink the rest of that, but I'm going to throw some candy corns into it. Do it. <laughs> mm. You just did that like a candy corn shot. It was delicious. <laughs> I'm getting really stuffed here from all this bread <laughs> and mooncakes and deadpan. <laughs> Okay, so in England, after the Protestant Reformation, mm-hmm. after the Catholic Church was pretty much thrown out and it was not any longer the main, it wasn't the, the Church of England anymore. Right. So basically, the Protestants were the people in charge. Mm-hmm. So not everyone liked that, especially the Catholics who used to be in charge. Yeah. So... In 1604, there was a gentleman by the name of Guy Fox, mm. or as he went by some of the time, Guido Fox. Okay. And it's uh, F-A-W-K-E-S. And because of the time, Catholicism wasn't in rule of England, mm-hmm. people were not celebrating Halloween anymore. Right. Or All Saints Day or All Souls Day. Right. So basically, Hall- yeah, Halloween just stopped existing there. Mm-hmm. So, basically, you had uh, Guy Fox, and what happened in 1604 was him and seven Mm co-conspirators decided to blow up the English Parliament. Right. And you might know a little bit about this if you watched a a movie or read a comic book called V for Vendetta. That's right, yeah. Because they, they make use of this whole theme, but... 
And they, of course, the Guy Fox mask. And if you know mm-hmm. anything about uh, uh, the internet web people called anonymous, right? They use the Guy Fox masks when they're yeah. protesting. Mm-hmm. So, but Guy Fox tried to blow up Parliament by he was going to go underneath it with thirty six barrels of gunpowder and <sighs> blow it up and king kill King George the first. Right was the idea and try to replace them try to replace him with uh, one of his ancestors uh, down the line, who okay. I believe still held true to Catholicism. Gotcha. Was the idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, it didn't work. And I think about a year to two years later, he wound up with his other co-conspirators being hung, mm. drawn, and quartered. Now, the kind of amazing thing about Guy Fox is when he was actually brought up to the gallows mm-hmm. instead of he didn't want to be drawn and quartered obviously no one does you, you know no one does but what they would do is they wouldn't just hang you to kill you right. they would they would hang you to the point where you were almost dead but uh-huh. not quite dead then he's only mostly dead yeah and then right. then they would quarter you which was tying each one of your limbs to a different horse yeah. and smack them on the rear and let them go. So it would pull you into far four, four pieces. Different, four different directions, yeah. And instead of going through that torture, what he actually did was he ran and jumped off the edge of the gallows stage and broke his neck Oh, from the jump instead of letting them hang him mostly to death. Right. Uh, so he actually saved himself from the last bit of that, or mm. rather, didn't save his body, but at least saved his mental state from that. Yeah, because, his humility and, and mm-hmm. yeah, gotcha. Because after it was done, they did draw and quarter him, but he was already, already dead. Already yeah. So, and then they take the four parts of the body and scatter them to the four parts of the kingdoms, mm-hmm. the four corners, uh, for people to look at and know that you should not do treason. Gotcha. So... Not very long after this happened, people started celebrating Guy Fox Day for his folly of trying to blow up, basically blow up the government and yeah. blow up the king. Yeah. So people started celebrating it with bonfires and, uh, you know, different... Fireworks. Fireworks. Fireworks you know. were a huge thing with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It, it, it became uh, uh, another reason to celebrate. Mm-hmm. So it actually filled that void of Halloween. And then eventually... Halloween started seeping back into yeah. you know to yeah. that that whole area. So a lot of now a lot of the time uh, England celebrates it from October 31st all the way up to November 5th right. and the entire week is, is a whole event. That's awesome. Yeah, so that's really cool. Yeah. Remember remember the 5th of November. <laughs> <laughs> I also have to mention really quickly a gentleman by the name of Robert Burns. Okay. Robert Burns. Is he like he's George a, Burns? No, no. The, okay. The, Mr. Burns? No. Excellent. <laughs> no, Robert Burns is actually Scotland's greatest bard. Oh. And uh, he wrote uh, extensively about the ancient beliefs of Halloween okay. and the Christian era, basically. But he also, he told a lot of stories about witchcraft and the devil and, you know, things like that. But he, he actually wrote a poem about Halloween. Okay. I'm not going to read it aloud, <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Because he wrote it specifically in, like, Scottish. Oh, okay. You know, and I understand that Scottish is English. Yes. But the way that they speak is so hard to my ear mm-hmm. for me to figure out. To, to decipher the, yeah, what to they're decipher. actually saying. So, so I've, I've read it. I read the whole thing earlier today. It is pretty long but i'm going to make right. sure that, that that's going to be up on the oh, show yeah, notes. definitely so it, it's just one of those things i i've always liked robert burns and I, I like to read you know what he does even though it seems to be really hard for me to get through <laughs> but uh, i definitely really enjoy it and i i think you should read that too oh i will so we we also know that there's lots of traditions yeah so obviously trick-or-treating and and carving the jack-o'-lantern. And, you know, they have lots of lots of different roots. Bobbing for apples. Bobbing for apples, you mm-hmm. know. And, and that's actually one of my uh, favorite traditions because, 
getting an apple in your teeth is ridiculously hard. So <laughs> Yes, it is, especially also, in a tub of water. Yeah, yeah. But then there's also uh, that where they would dangle the apples yeah. from the ceiling, from yeah. a string. So we know there are these, all these different traditions, but you probably know where a lot of them come from. There's, you know, if, if you like these kind of podcasts or, or you watch the History Channel, you've probably watched the <laughs> Halloween all day, watch the Halloween episodes. So right. you probably know about them. So we're not going to necessarily get to them today. Yeah. Because we're, we're talking about some stuff that you might not know about. That's what we're trying to bring to you. We're yeah. trying to bring you forgotten history and stuff from around the lands that you don't necessarily know about. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing, wonderful time of year. I mean, me personally, it beats Thanksgiving. It beats Christmas. Because it has bits and pieces of those, but it's the weather is, is perfect. The... The atmosphere is perfect, and you have this sort of like aura of like, ah, you know. And I love that. That is, yeah. That that first that first day where you realize that oh, it's time to put a hoodie on. <laughs> right. That is that is absolutely one of my favorite and favorite then, times of year. And then you realize that the the boundaries between the living and the dead are starting to slide together. That's that's awesome, dude. I'm like, hoodie, <laughs> and I might see grandma. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Going to uh, haunted houses. Yeah, yeah. Is one of my houses. favorite things to do. Hay rides. Hay rides, picking apples. Yeah. Just pumpkins. drinking some nice, nice hot cider with a little uh, little squirt of Applejack in there. Yeah. You know, I think we're going to have to do that this weekend, Joe. Oh, yeah. yeah Absolutely. And we're down. not going to be putting Applejack in your quarantine. <laughs> you don't like the because quarantine? Because that stuff was awful. I No, thank you very much. <laughs> okay. All right, guys. So that is our Harvest Festivals episode. If you guys have any Harvest Festival stories from around the world, if you visited someplace and got to see a festival firsthand, or you live in a country that has a amazing, strange festival, email us. Tell us about it. We'll put it on, on the page. We'll put it on an episode. Yeah, we'd absolutely love to know about it. Thank you guys for joining us. I'm Christopher Scarborough. And I'm Joe Taylor. All right, guys. Happy harvest. I'm eating more of these candy corns. Oh, man. I've, I'm so full with those <laughs> right now. <laughs> the, the corn tea is expanding the bread in my belly. <laughs> <laughs>